The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. I've done the same thing to other people. You know, when I've said, I don't think you can do this. I don't think this is a good idea. And and what I've learned now that I'm in my mid-60s, that I've, I don't say that to people anymore because I think God has a bigger plan. Together, Mark Gregson and I have co-hosted over 500 radio programs, helping both parents and teens. But coming up next, Mark will tell his own story of calling here on First Person. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Before Mark joins me in conversation, I'd like to take a moment to thank the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support in bringing First Person to you. Each day in nearly 50 countries of the world, just as you listen to Christian Radio, FEBC reaches listeners in their language with the message of the gospel, and millions of listeners respond with story after story of what FEBC's broadcasts mean to them. To hear and even view some of these stories, please visit febc.org. Mark Gregston and his wife Jan are the founders of Heartlight Ministries, which has helped thousands of teens through the years. Mark's national radio program, Parenting Today's Teens, is widely heard and helps parents deal with struggling teens. Recently, after recording several shows with Mark, I asked him to join me here on First Person. Mark, I think it's only fair, after co-hosting over 500 radio shows with you for Parenting Today's Teens, that that you would take a few minutes and talk with me here on this program. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, let's talk about Heartlight. Yeah, yeah. And then I want to talk about how you got here and how it all came to be. But uh, describe Heartlight for us. You know, Hardlight has turned into this, truly to a wonderful place of hope for kids, which mm. I, I'm not so sure we ever meant that, but over 3,000 kids have lived here. It's a residential counseling center that houses 60 kids at a time. Um, all I wanted was to have eight kids here. That's all I wanted. That was your vision. I was 33 when we moved here and and— there was one building on the property, and now there's 20 buildings, and it's 158. I mean, it's just a beautiful campus. And, and we're sitting in your radio studio right now. Yeah, and and but, uh, but I, I never wanted to do radio either. I never <laughs> wanted to write books, and I surely didn't want to travel and speak around the country. So how in the world did you get here? By a lot of almost. Hmm. You know, I almost didn't do radio, and I almost didn't. Thank God for the almost, <laughs> you know, in, in one sense, but I almost— didn't write the book. Almost, I, I almost said no. I just said, I don't want to write books. And of course, that same way, I almost you know, didn't ask my wife out the first time in ninth grade. And I mean, yeah, let, let's go all the way back there. Yeah. So uh, tell, me, tell me about growing up and tell me about meeting Jan and coming to Christ and all, all those yeah. good things. I, I, kind of, I kind of divide my life up into musical little sections and, and, um, I I was born in West Texas and spent six years traveling all over Texas. My dad was on an oil blasting crew, and I don't think we listened to much music during that time. But we moved to southern Louisiana where there was a lot of music, so I kind of got into that. Then we lived in New Orleans. I was I tell people I was really raised in New Orleans, and and then in seventh grade moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and and. Uh, but while I was in New Orleans, I saw the Beatles, and 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 that I, I don't know why that became a part of my life, mm-hmm. and uh, music did at that time. And then 
that I was in Tulsa when I was in the eighth grade. I went to a Beach Boys concert, and at the halfway mark of entertainment, uh, Dave Wilkerson came out and preached. Dave Wilkerson of, of Teen Challenge sure. preached. I went forward. He grabbed my hand, prayed with me to accept Christ, and 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 then things changed. I mean, but it's always been different musical mm-hmm. things in different ages. You know, a couple of years later, Jan and I, I asked her to go see this this band called Led Zeppelin, and uh, <laughs> we went. I didn't know what I was watching most of the time, but but it was significant enough. And then Jan and I spent all of our high school years. I swam competitively, and and then. On weekends, we'd go to concerts, and and so it's always been kind of that music thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, when we were in college at Tulsa University, I was pursuing a degree in finance with emphasis in real estate investments, and somebody asked if we wanted to lead a Young Life Club. And out of the blue, here we are, 19 years old. Um, yeah, let's do Young Life. And so we started. Two months later, a man walked up and said, I'm struggling with my son. What do I do? And I'm going, I have no idea. He's only a year and a half younger than I am, but let him come live with me. And that's what we did. So he lived with me four or five months, and that was kind of the beginning of this living with kids thing. He was the first one. He was. And then, you know, he's now a surgeon in Oregon. And uh, then another getting ready to retire, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, then another family would come. Then another family. Jane and I got married after our sophomore year of college, and— uh, Somebody else came and, and said, would you take care of our daughter for a while? And we did. And so, you know, up until a point, my idea was to go to law school and and pursue just a, you know, a lawyer's life. And, and something changed, and I said, I'm going to do this kids thing. And so we spent more time. I was a youth minister for a number of years, and we moved to Branson, Missouri, and lived at a sports camp there. Um called Camp Canacuck, and we were there eight years. And, and at the end of – I was also the area director for Young Life there. And at the end of my time there, I got fired from a job. And so a man called and said, I've got a piece of property in Texas, and I've always wanted to come back to Texas. I just didn't think it was going to be that way. Okay, we'll continue the Heartlight story here in Texas, yeah. but take me back to that firing. That Yeah. That, that was a turning point for you, wasn't it? It was because I think it was the hardest thing in my life. And uh, even now I'd look at it. It was probably the greatest thing that ever happened next to my own kids and, and my wife and, and uh, the dogs I've had throughout my life. But, <laughs> but it was hard because it was the, the first time that I felt a sense of rejection and somebody saying, uh, you're not good enough for us. We don't want you. We don't need you. You don't offer anything to us that's of value. That's how I interpreted the whole thing. The real reason I got fired is because I complained about the way they were operating. But that's not what I heard when I was let go by a very dear friend. And uh, he and I had worked together for a few years. And, 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 and it was almost like everything in my life came to that point, And I started to have to deal with the rejection that I really felt all my life, okay. the, the, the sense of abandonment by my own dad and and uh, even though he never left the home he abandoned me and uh, I think it was just that the non-relational atmosphere all that it it just kind of came and I thought and, and it was a point where I was going is this what ministry's about do you treat people this way 
I mean, out of when we give our lives to people, you, and and there was reasons to fire me. I complained and shouldn't have. I griped when I shouldn't have. I mean, in retrospect, you understand that now. I understand that now. But at but the time, I, it really shook your confidence, it, didn't it? It did, and I probably wrestled with depression for three or four years. Well, I, what I, kept you going? Well, pride. I think. I mean, I, I and I didn't want to be a failure. I've always thought I don't want to fail at anything. And I came down here with the intent of doing this. And I, and I knew that God wanted us to be in Texas and start this place for kids. I, I knew it. Um, I just didn't know what it was going to look like. And, and people said, well, tell us about the plan. There was no plan. <laughs> I mean, and, because I think if God would have told me what it was, I would have backed out a long time ago. And so he's always kind of kept me in the dark of what I, I believe he has a plan. I just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And yet I go. I'll let him continue to guide and direct me on those things. And and uh, he's done a pretty good job so far, so I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> but but I think the firing was a pivotal point for our family, uh, for Jan and I as a couple. Me personally, just, you know, that re- that sense of rejection. and, and uh, So you faced some things that you wouldn't have faced if it hadn't been for those circumstances likely, right? Ab- absolutely. I mean, it was a refining moment, but it was a very lonely refining moment because when I said we wanted to start Heartlight, uh, everybody said it was a stupid idea. I mean, I'd meet with people and to get their wisdom on how to do this and do that, and they would say, you're not capable of doing this. You'd realize how much money you need to raise and all that stuff, and you're not, ca- you know, and I, I kept being told, I'm going, this, these are things I've heard from my dad since day one. And I just felt like I was trying to prove to everybody, I can do this. This is the sense in which it, the criticism propelled you. It really did. Yeah. It, 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 it was hurtful. because, um, And I know it was hurtful because I can still name the very people that said all those things. But is there forgiveness? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because some of them are dead. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think you learn after a while that it's uh, in in retrospect that firing and comments and I've done the same thing to other people. You know, when I've said I don't think you can do this, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't. And and what I've learned now that I'm in my mid sixties that I've I don't say that to people anymore mm. because I think God has a bigger plan. You don't know God's plan for them. I don't. And I and I'm I'm not gonna play God in their life either. There's people that I thought would be the best speakers and best ministry people in the world and they've ended up being absolute losers and zeros. And the other people that I thought were losers and zeros have been propelled to places that I marvel at, at what God's done, and I've gotten it all wrong. And so I gave up a long time ago trying to figure all that out. Time gives you a lot of perspective, doesn't it? It does. And if I had to go back, it's interesting because people have asked, what would you change? None of it. I, I, would, I wouldn't want to not be fired, you know, which mm-hmm. was a pivotal point. I, as painful I, as it was. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to change my dad, even though I I live with a sense of loss that he was never really that dad that I wanted. But God used that and created something in me that that I wouldn't want to trade for anything now either. I mean, just anything like that, I, I would look at and say, it's it was all good. When you lose your house in a tornado and you lose all your possessions, it's a miserable time. But it was a great thing for me hmm. to learn to let things go, uh, you know, in, when I was in my 20s. And so 
I think time is that perspective that it gives you a little bit. So some of the things that did matter don't matter. And I, I think the forgiveness piece of it, I, I think you just learned that I'm not going to, I don't want to be controlled and, and um, be miserable. And so most of my forgiveness has been given selfishly because I don't want to deal with it any longer and I want to let it go. When there really is a part of me that has moved back toward those people and said, can we re-engage? Can we, you know, and, and, and as I said, it's happened, have, hasn't it? It yeah. has. Some have died and I've become good friends with some of the very people that, that I thought were my worst enemies. And, uh, and I chuckle when I think about how God manufactured that. In a moment, we'll continue this conversation with Mark Gregston here on First Person. One year ago, I heard that one of FABC's radio stations aired in our province, so I started to listen. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. So many Kazakh people here like listening to your radio broadcast, and we feel like a family because of it. Thank you so much for broadcasting to our nation. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Mark Gregston. Mark is the founder, executive director of Heartlight Ministries. As I often say on our on our program, Parenting Today's Teens, he is Heartlight is a residential counseling program for teens. Yeah, and uh, yeah. sixty at a time live at this beautiful Heartlight campus where we're at right now yeah. in East Texas, between uh, Dallas and Shreveport, Louisiana. Yep. Mark, in telling me your story, you skipped over a very important part, and that was Oklahoma Bible Quiz Champion. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, <laughs> I need to hear about that. I got involved in a youth group in the seventh grade, and there was a man by the name of David Worsham, um, and he was our youth pastor. Had a had a bigger nose than I did. I mean, a big old tall guy, played basketball like crazy, and this was in the 60s. And uh, matter of fact, he was at the... Uh, concert, uh, the Beach Boy concert, where Dave Wilkerson preached at, uh, halfway in between. He was the one who took us. And um, and so he started doing this scripture memory thing, and he said, let's do it. I think he went to Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, or maybe he went to Tulsa University and was associated with the Wesley Foundation, something. I don't uh-huh. know what it was. And and uh, um, we just started memorizing scripture. And Hundreds and hundreds of scriptures, and we'd have flashcards and stacks of flashcards, and and there was a group of four or five of us, and we would just quiz each other, and we did this for probably probably three or four years. So he said, "Well, there's this competition in Oklahoma City. Let's go to it." And I go and do what? All you do is quote scripture. That's easy for me. Was this the kind of thing where you jump up off your chair and they recognize who got up first? Well, that, no, that you kind of, kind of raise your hand if they if you know what scripture they're talking about. So I, so I guess there's, to me, there's not 400 top scriptures. It's all same scripture, but they would they would say First John three eight, and you know I'd know what it is, and you know or uh, John you know four, you know or and you and you just it, it's kind of jumping around James one two, you know or one twelve, and 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 I just remember. And so you, you, you kind of whittle it down, and then they would throw another one at you and have you see if you can memorize it. But having know. that scripture really had to be a foundation for you. Oh, it, I mean, it, it you was. still retain that today in many oh, ways. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. 
it's absolutely crazy that I can remember all those scriptures. Of course, it was and King James, probably. What? No, it wasn't. It, it was wasn't? New American Standard, oh, which okay. was kind of interesting. And <laughs> and uh, but I can still remember all of that. And that's where I've always said that that why scripture memory is so important. Because here I am, sixty years later. And I still remember what I did. I can't remember anything else I did in the seventh, eighth, ninth <laughs> grade, sophomore year. You know, I can't. But it, but it has stuck with me. And I, and I, and I've always wondered where would that come back. Well, it has come back in a number of ways, in a number of different places. So well, it comes back in the way that you uh, counsel teens and their parents, by the way, because yeah. your ministry is not just to teens, is it? No, it's mostly to parents. Quite honestly, I, I tell people all the time, Heartlight is a is a parent ministry. We just house the kids here <laughs> because they're more messed up than the kids are at times. And so, but I mean, they really are good parents. They just, something's gone wrong and they've had a tough time yeah. and, and they need help and they come here and we deal with what nobody else wants to deal with. As you've expressed to me many times on the radio, you feel there uh, there's never been a bad teen. I don't think Explain so. yourself. Well, you know, everybody thinks that, that, troubled teens are these rotten kids that you don't want your kids to hang out with. And I go, I've raised my kids around all these rotten kids, you know, so to speak. And not a one of them has been rotten. I mean, they've been a blessing. I don't have many friends other than the than the families and the teens that I've been involved with all my life. How I many mean, weddings have you performed to those oh, teens when they grew yeah, up? 400 and some. And, and, uh, uh, and I still tell them I'll do that to this day. You know, it's tell me when you're getting married. I'd love to do it. And, uh, but but they're great kids. They've just gotten lost, and and so I think early on I began to realize that that uh, a lost kid is far different than a rebellious kid. And what's different is the way that I treat them. A rebellious kid, I kind of go 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 sow your wild wild oats and get it out of your system and beat up on somebody else. But when you're lost, you're looking for something, and so that's where we kind of tap into that with the kids that are here with us. And but do you have great, such great patience with them? When they do all kinds of horrible things, you're still right there. Put your arm around yeah. them. You counsel them. You're tough with them. Yeah, you know I am, but but I want them to know more than anything else that I love them, and and I think they do. Uh, at the same time, I'd tell you I don't tolerate anything, but I but I I love them to death, and that's what they know me as is somebody that would love on them. And and I mean they're good kids. They're just lost, and so um, it's a joy to spend time with them. I. I I love doing radio. I love writing books. I love traveling. I love, but what I love the most is spending time with these kids. Yeah, I've seen you interact with them. Yeah, they love so, you too. Well, I hope so. How do you explain that? I mean, the generation difference is considerable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's put it that way to put it kindly. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I've got a mustache from 1880, my hairstyles from like a billion years ago, and and they want to spend more time with me now than than ever before. And and that's been surprising for me because I really thought at age 30, I was a youth minister. I thought, well, it'll quit at 30. And then when I was young life, I thought it'll quit when I'm 40. You know, it, people will quit responding to me in some way. I get more requests to spend time with kids now from kids than I ever have. And I think it's gray hair. I think I'm not a threat. I think, um, yeah, you learn, as I said earlier, you, you learn what's important and what's not important and what matters and what doesn't matter. And so it just changes the way that you engage. But I think there's another part of it is is that the losses in their life, we've all experienced loss in one way or the other. And so, so if I can help help them get to a point where they can fill those losses, 
then hopefully they'll lead a happier life. At the same time, I know the struggles in life or what has cultivated the character in me, I don't want to solve everything for them because I think some of their struggles could teach them things that that uh, would be life-changing for them as well. Well, you've built this uh, wonderful place for troubled teens to come to. At the same time, you'd rather that they didn't have to come here. And so oh, yeah. the focus of your ministry is really to help parents, parent their teens outside of Heartlight, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. Heartlight is an emergency room that if something's going horribly wrong, you come to. I mean, it just... Anybody can just use their imagination with whatever can happen to kids or whatever kids can do, they come here. But they're good kids. If they walked into your home, you'd go, this is the finest group of kids I've been around. And and so I, I think I think there's a part of it that that because we do all this here and it operates well, I feel compelled to help other families and do it free. I mean, it, from radio to book, I, I give everything away. Everybody hates me doing it, but I go... I'm here to help people. That's what I want to do. And that's how I measure my involvement with things. It's not by money paid. It is more, are we going to help more people? And if the answer is no, then I'm not going to do it. I I want to help as many people as I can, taking what I've learned from all these 3,000 kids that have lived with us and working with their families and, and say, I want to take the wisdom from that and share it with other people so they don't have to go through the pain that so many have gone through. It's preventative. I understand that. Yeah. What's next? Where does this go from here for you, Mark? You know, I I think I, people around me are retiring and, uh, and I've always said, well, I can't retire because I drive my wife crazy, (laughs) you know, because what would I do? Well, what I would do is come hang out with kids and spend time and write books and do the same thing I'm doing anyway. I, I get to do what I want to do. And, and so I'll continue to do uh, this as long as I can until people I trust go, you're no longer relevant on the radio. You're losing it. Um, even though my daughter's been telling me I've been losing it since she was two years old and she's now 42. I, I'd rather be worn out than, than uh, burn out, mm-hmm. I think. I don't, I don't have a, this great idea of retiring and going somewhere. I, where I want to go is home. I, I mean, I love being at home. Uh, Jane and I have now been married 44 years, and and we have a wonderful life together, and our kids and our grandkids, all, you know, and it continues to get better. I know at some time it's going to change. I know health issues have an amazing way of changing perspective, but we're not there yet, and uh, so I just intend to keep doing whatever I'm doing. And that is welcomed news to many parents who depend on Mark's sound biblical wisdom in helping teens navigate life. Our guest has been Mark Gregston, who, along with his wife Jan, are the founders of Heartlight Ministries located in East Texas. There's more about Heartlight and Mark's radio program, Parenting Today's Teens, at firstpersoninterview.com. Our website will also tell you what's coming up in the weeks ahead here on the program, so join us online at firstpersoninterview.com. When you think of it, please visit febc.org to learn more about the Far East Broadcasting Company, which for nearly 75 years has been faithfully proclaiming the gospel in many countries. Did you know that well over 2 million listeners contact FEBC annually to say what a blessing it is to them? Many of these listeners are in the far corners of the world, and sometimes FEBC's programs are the only biblical teaching they receive. There are lots of stories to be told, and you can check them out online at febc.org. That's the Far East Broadcasting Company at febc.org. 
Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.